so good to see you all. Uh, see your smiling faces, and yeah, we're really looking forward to a very profound uh, weekend of just dropping very deep into into the experience of your divinity and your love, and uh, and it's it is nice that maybe we can just give a little context for uh, for some of you for for the movie and. Uh, how it came, the context, it came a little bit of a, a backdrop because that will be very applicable to everything that we're looking at and everything that you're looking at in your mind uh, with, with us this, this weekend. And also how, how the purpose of the movie is kind of like uh, it's been peeking its head out and it's been coming out more and more and more, but we're, it's such a listen and follow with, with the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, including before it was made, when it was just a, a, an idea, or a guidance, or a vision, and then the actual exper experiment, really, of, of being there at the monastery during the mystery school, and, and having this movie kind of come through, it's like a channeled kind of movie, uh, with you taking on the, to be the role of the director, uh, you know, quite uh, with short notice, uh, right before the filming, began, and then even now we can give a little context to how uh, the movie has been used over the, the recent months and, and some feelings we're starting to have and explorations. So it's, yeah, we want to welcome you all and give a great context for the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, just want to welcome you all and thank you for joining us for a whole weekend. and. We know that we, we're doing this kind of online retreat actually every, the beginning, the first weekend of every month. But this Take Me Home retreat is, um, is like a, our um, additional for just for, um, for a whole weekend to really bask into an experience with the help of the movie Take Me Home. And uh, the reason that we really want to do that is because we are here to aiming for direct experience. And this movie can really help in, in feeling into exactly the inner workings and of the mind training, of the pathway toward happiness. Because when we talk about the inner working, um, it is such a lifestyle that we were talking a little bit beforehand. It is so much a lifestyle. It's something that is so hard to put into words. Because when we, when we come to this path, we started to feel we're not here just to play with ideas anymore. We're not going to be satisfied with pretty sayings and nice concepts. We want things we want a direct help, you know. We want. We are calling out to spirit to say, "Just help me." We we need to have real experience to let go of the suffering, to find real freedom and real happiness, and know that it is truly possible through experience. So, what we're feeling is that the making of the movie is just as profound as the movie itself, and that's why we want to just give ourselves over together to join minds for a whole 
weekend and share a lot of the. We will share the movie tomorrow afternoon, but also we want to just really use a lot of examples and、um, to just guide the mind to see exactly what is this is all pointing into. So yeah, we're just really looking forward for a very profound weekend that is going to be guided by the spirit. So we want to welcome you, and some of you actually、um, are new to our online retreat to to joining with us this way. And a big welcome to you. I think we have a lot of people from a few, quite a few new people from Australia, from、uh, United States, from Canada. Um, and、uh, Mexico, Colombia, yeah, a big welcome to you, and also, of course,、um, all of you who are with us every month and ongoing to to use this time,、um, use the time for awakening. And、um, yeah, so we we want to just. Take some time, maybe tonight and tomorrow, just to get into the bigger context of this work and how this movie came about and why even we do what we do. Because we also actually received a lot of your questions and prayers, which we're very grateful. We just enjoy reading them so much because they feel so deep. They're directly from your heart. And actually, some of these direct these prayers just felt like a direct calling out for help. Reading them is almost like hearing this four-letter word, H-E-L-P, help, exclamation point.、Mm -hmm. <laughs> and some of your prayers or questions are around doing body, how to detach from. All these doings from feeling like I'm trapped in this world, and I think we will zoom into all of those those nuances and、um, issues throughout this weekend. Yeah, we could say too that that ego, even though it's、uh, it's just a puff of nothingness, you know, that, that wasn't created. It's、um, sometimes it's been called clever or.、Uh, Even ingenious, and so、uh, we would like to point out, you know, some of these、uh, tactics. And I would say, I would say probably one of the the most favorite ego tactics to keep you from knowing who you are is the attempt to bring the truth into the illusion.、Uh, that's really what A Course in Miracles is pointing out that that. Uh, there are many religions and spirituality that would like to kind of bring bring God into the world. I mean, in the extreme, I know people will talk about、uh, how do we bring heaven to earth, and that's even that is an example of trying to bring the truth into the illusion. So we've had religions and theologies, we've had philosophies, we've had temples. You know, some of you know the story of the Tower of Babel, trying to. Build a tower, you know, high enough into the sky to reach God, and and all of the temples that we've had, we've had scriptures, 
deep uh, practices that have been passed on for many generations and so on and so forth. And now with the Course in Miracles, this amazing uh, helping tool in scripture, uh, the ego will attempt to to bring the truth into the illusion and, and is frightened as it is of, of love, it will try to um, assimilate, like the Borg, assimilate A Course in Miracles into its, uh, its own version of spiritual awakening, which is you retain your personhood and then you just study the Course and you become a spiritual person. <laughs> and, and it's quite satisfied with anything that you will attempt, including uh, the goal of becoming a spiritual person or even an enlightened person. Because what we always talk about is that the, the persona of the mask can't become enlightened. So the idea even of avatars and enlightened beings, those are just symbols, but the ego would have you just stop and say, oh, I'm, that's my goal, that's the farthest I can think of. Uh, is like an enlightened person and actually that still fits into the ego's self-concept. The ego can take that and turn it into uh, a person who can spout the theology but who has not gone through uh, experiences of letting go and emptying the mind as Jesus and Buddha both talked about. And so it's, it's really beautiful that you come together because this whole experience we're going to share, including the movie, it kind of shows how the spiritual journey is nothing like you can imagine. It's not what you could imagine it to be. In fact, as soon as you try to imagine it, you can see that there's a, can be quite a, a set self-concept, which is, this turns into another linear goal, another goal that, to be achieved into the future. And it's actually more, it's a, more of a dismantling, I think we talk about in I Heart Huckabee's, the movie. It's a, a dissolving, it seems to be a, a, a letting go. Uh, it has a phase of relinquishment, which is again a letting go. And before the mind actually is able to integrate and, and experience itself as whole and complete, there's stages of development of trust that you have to go through, and none of them are, are what you think they are. Uh, and so I think it's a good example is the movie in the sense that even though, Francis, you had a vision and were told that you would make a movie, uh, you weren't really given any set date, uh, so it was just kind of off in the future at some point and you were told, mm. you know, the signs and symbols that you would know uh, when the time was coming. But that's, that's a pretty good example too of how the miracle is involuntary and the involuntary nature of the miracle is that you have to have the faith and the trust and the willingness to heal. And then along with that willingness to heal and that faith, you have to really let go of what, what we call the I know mind. Mm -hmm. uh, if you think you know anything about the world, if you think you know anything about families, if you know anything about structures and, or even of the academic sciences, because many people are well educated to even, they think they know a lot about the inner workings of the world. All of that will inhibit the 
forgetting of this world. If you already think you know, you don't really have an impetus, you don't really have an incentive to go through a transformation because you think, oh, I, I have a, a, a good idea of who I am. Now, maybe I could just improve on that idea. And that is not going to work. Uh, in fact, I found in my life and in most lives of people that I meet who are going through this spiritual transformation, they don't see the turns coming at all, the, the twists and turns in their life. They, having gone through the turns, they would say, wow, I, no, I would have never, ever, ever in a million years predicted uh, that it would go this way. And the, the less you know, the less you are aware of, of this world, the more ready you are for the actual transformation. It's like an eclipse, you know, the, the, the less aware you are, the more clueless you are about everything, and I mean absolutely everything in the world, that's where the, the readiness is. So, you, you know, the story of how you, you had no training in making a film, and you didn't go to school and have filmmaking skills and abilities and, and actually up almost to the beginning of the mystery school you didn't know that you would be the director. And so that's like a good example of how faithful and willing you have to be to be guided, to be shown, and then to let the Holy Spirit wipe away everything that seems to be in consciousness that wasn't created by God. And so it's almost like big in the willingness and also big in the help me, take my hand, show me. You're going to have to make, if there's going to be a movie, you're going to have to make the movie through me because I don't have a prior past learning experience to make such a movie. Yeah, and actually that that is a very relaxing message because you whatever you think you can come up with in that your idea of how this spiritual journey is going to look like what you have to do about it it's never going to be like that and i think jesus actually says in the course there is nothing from the past that you would share because there is nothing from the past you would keep. So that is the attitude he wants us to, to tap into every moment. There is nothing from the past you would like to bring to the present moment, including the past knowledge, the past ideas, even ideas about how to heal, how to over, let go of the ego, how to uh, you know, go about life. So, so I would say that actually when we look back of even the spiritual journey, a lot of it was oh, I didn't see this coming at all. The Spirit throws something to us because there is an internal yearning and desire to, to tap into something, to expand and to get in touch with the Spirit and let go of this layer, this veil of the ideas that we hold on to. So the Spirit throws something so new and just saying, okay, don't even try, don't even attempt to come up with a plan. You have me now, and let me guide you. So this, um, this whole movie, when you watch the movie tomorrow, you will see everybody, every character that got filmed was going through nothing but that. 
was stripping away their ideas, their self-concept of who they think they are, how they should relate, how they should be, how to prove their worth. And for the making of the movie, it is the exact same because when we came together, we, you know, like David was saying, first the um, the idea was. Um, it came to me through a dream in 2011, and in the dream, I was just feeling okay. I feel so joyful if I could find a way to share what I had experienced in the monastery. There was real hope to heal, and I didn't really know the extent of the method, but I had this huge desire. If if there's something I could. I could convey or I could share. Then this this dream came to me. You will make a documentary movie, and I was overjoyed. I woke up with ecstatic joy. But that was 2011, and and at that time, of course, I I I didn't think I could do it because I had no no way of doing it. But there was excitement of wanting to follow the spirit, wanting to. To be used in that way, and wanting to see—I mean, ultimately, don't we all want to know that we can be guided through everything in in time and space that we don't have to put our mind into time and space, and we can truly relax and give our mind over to the love and joy when we want to be convinced that we can do that. And I feel like, oh my God, if I could learn. To listen and follow the spirit in such a way that I can just be an empty vessel and make a whole movie through listening and following the guidance, I am in. I wrote David an email straight away in 2011. I said, "This is, this is my dream. I would love to do it." But the movie didn't come in until 2017. So there was six years of. Waiting um, and questioning, yeah, maybe not everything in the dream will become true. You know, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I wasn't really clear in. Maybe it was a metaphor, <sighs> and there was also times of, well, spirit, is this what are you just playing with me? What is is, is it going to be done? And then I, I remember when I was questioning it during a walk one day. Um, Couple of years after the dream, I heard. For relax, it will be done. It's already done. That was what I heard. It's already done, and I felt so much truth in what I heard. There was, it was an immediate calm of every fiber in my being. I I relaxed completely. I thought, okay, it's already done. It's I don't really have. Any power in changing what is done, I don't have a power to delay it. I don't have a power to make it happen before it's supposed to happen. It's done. The people that you would need to help to to help make it happen will be sent to you at the right time. Okay. So I I truly let it go completely,、um, put it in the back of my mind until 2017 in February. Then. We had a filmmaker who initiated 
to join us in a filmmaking project. He would be the director, and we called Soren from Copenhagen that I met. He had experience in making documentary movie. Then a few other people as well. They all had passion, so they all said yes. Very quickly, this thing just started to come together. The team was going to arrive、uh, in May, and we set the time to film with the backdrop of a thirty-day mystery school. And that event was already planned. That was an event that there would be twenty people who come from all over the world,、uh, maybe first time for the first time to the monastery to. To actually just live in the unknown, live in a way to trust and follow the spirit, and see what's going to come up, and heal whatever that needs to be healed. So we we thought, well, that was a perfect backdrop. We just film thirty days of that event. So that was how it came together. But like David said, then. Things happened. The director pulled out, and the team was coming, and we realized we didn't really have a director very close to the event, and there were so many decisions that need to be made. So many decisions, very very practical. What equipment to run, the the type of the camera, the making of the camera, how many, the budget. The kind of hard drive, the speed. Who knows? Nobody knows anything about any of it. And、um, we had a, a a woman in the community at the time, and she said she came to me and with a notepad, and she said, "We have to get some things done because it takes ten days to ship, and the team arrives in ten days. We have to get these decisions done." And I heard, "I'm the." I'm the assistant to the director, so I'm gonna get into it. I said, "Oh, great! Who is the director?" She said, "You. You're the director. I'm your assistant." And I thought, "Okay, you know that that was、uh, that was clear."、Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting too, because because from a worldly perspective, you know, things in the spiritual journey can be interpreted as like. Wow, that is spontaneous to not know you're directing a film until, you know, days was it before? But I, I want to go back to the to to use this as a, as a way of showing you the context of this is how the spirit works, and this is giving you really good examples of how it's important to to not already have a set idea that you already know how to do something. Um, if the mind knew how to wake up, it it would it would be awake. It you know obviously、mm-hmm. uh, it made the mind with the ego made the world, but it it's almost like it didn't have a plan、uh, of escape. It was like it bought it was making a one way ticket to hell, so to speak, or the belief in separation from God. But it didn't have it didn't have a rescue plan. It didn't have.、Uh, A way out. In fact, the Holy Spirit was given as as the the rescue. So I want to just roll back too for the context. Like it's almost like a, I think it is like a triple grace story. First of all, you know, Francis was raised, born and raised in Beijing, China, 
So Francis doesn't really have an idea of Christianity. Uh, you know, when you were raised in Beijing, China, you didn't have preconceived ideas of, of Jesus or Christianity. Now, do you know what a gift it is to be given A Course in Miracles without any preconceived ideas of Christianity? Without preconceived ideas of Ju the Judeo-Christian learning? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a grace to be given A Course in Miracles when you don't know about Jesus and you don't have a context about Jesus. In fact, the more I got to know Francis, we actually went to see a, a Beatles movie and Francis just cried and cried and cried during the, the Beatles movie. I think it was a Ron Howard movie, what was it called? Eight, days, Eight a days a Week. And I sat next to Francis as she watched Eight Days a Week and cried and she experienced the Beatles for the first time. <laughs> you know how much fun that is to watch somebody who's experiencing uh, the, the whole story of the Beatles <laughs> in one sitting, having not... She didn't know of the Beatles growing up in uh, Beijing. They, they didn't make it to Beijing, they made it to, to Japan. Japan. Right. They came close. But, so that's like a grace, to be given A Course in Miracles without preconceived ideas about Christianity and the theology of, of Christianity. Second grace is... Uh, you had a strong feeling that something big, you had to stay in, um, mm. in Australia for some important thing that you did not know what it was, but you had to stay again, like with the movie, and wait and wait. So it was just this very strong feeling that she had to stay in Australia, but not knowing what for. So she patiently waited, 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 and then it was when I came down and, and toured down there, that she got the confirmation, like, oh, this is what you've been waiting for. So that was like a meeting with me, again, without preconceived, it wasn't like she was, she, she knew anything about me, or she knew anything about what I was doing. In fact, you know, when Jason showed up, I think, at your, your meetup meeting, you're like, who is this guy, David Hoffmeister? You know, this is a Course in Miracles meetup meeting. Uh, who is this? David Hofmeister. So you see again, see that double grace right there? You know, no preconceived ideas of, of the Course, of Jesus, of David, and that yet she's get this strong intuitive feeling that something important is going to be unfolding. And then I would say now with the movie, here comes the movie, she gets a little glimmer of, of a dream, you will make a movie, but again, the wait, 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 what was it, six? Six years. Six years of waiting with no, it's not like she's going to film school, she's polishing off her directing skills. She doesn't even know that she's going to be the director till days before the event, the mystery school starts. And I'm telling you this to give you the context that, that what you already believe you know about spirituality and what you believe you already know about religion and what you concept, the concept you hold in your mind for how the spiritual journey will go for you, how you imagine it to go, all of that will block you from the actual experience. To the extent you already feel you know something, it's like that has to be cleared away. Because the truth can't come into the illusion of a personality self, 
The truth can't come into linear time and space. You, even in the Bible said, perfect love casts out fear, and we're, we're learning from the Course, you have to go through the darkness to the light, but you have to bring the illusions of what you feel and think and believe and perceive to the light of truth so that they can disappear and you can wake up from the dream. But I can't emphasize enough how as we start to go into this experience, that was almost like a triple, that was like your third graceful moment where you, you really didn't know what was going to happen at all. But you were very willing to, to allow everything to be used for healing. And to the world's perspective, that's not the way we were raised, you know. If you want to build a house, you better have some blueprints, you better have some architects, you better have some engineers, you better have somebody to pour the concrete footers, you better have some carpenters if you're going to build it out of wood, you better have some shingle layers, you better have somebody to lay the asphalt or to plant the grass seed. You, you, the world would say, you've got to have your ducks in a row and you have to be well prepared with the skills and abilities and the means, financially, to accomplish anything. And yet, spiritual awakening flips the table and says, no, actually the less you know, the less you can conceive of in terms of this spiritual awakening, partnered with great faith and willingness to say, I, I want to heal. I, I, whatever I learned in the past, it's, it is not brought me salvation. It has not brought me consistent joy. You say, I need trust, but then bring it on, help me develop it. You say, I need to expand my faith, please, by all means, broaden my faith. You say, I need to learn how to listen and follow your voice, the small still voice within, okay. That is what A Course in Miracles is aiming at, is, is that opportunity, give yourself an opportunity to let your mind be emptied and see what's really, really there. So already it's exciting because you've almost had like a triple grace and now you're walking right into a project that you're, you've been named the director, <laughs> you've been given the director role and you're quite clueless of uh, what a director does and then you can say we start the characters start showing up, including a world-class cinematographer coming onto your team. You're the director, now you're going to be the director, and you've never directed before in your life. And oh yeah, here, come, here comes Babe Ruth on your team, and oh yeah, <laughs> Hank Aaron, oh yeah. You know, you, all of a sudden, you know, you get a legendary uh, uh, cinematographer, and even that that's how we can talk about the miracles, because he doesn't speak yeah. English. Yeah. You, you know, it's almost like, oh great, a world-class cinematographer who doesn't speak English. And the rest of the, the team all speaks English. But that's how we started to pray, right from, from the get-go. We, we had to pray about everything because of the context of the Spirit's doing this. I'm not doing this. This is, this is a good example of, uh, it, is, it is not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. This is an example of the line from the Course where Jesus says, it cannot be difficult to do the task that Christ appointed you to do, for it is He who does it. That sounds beautiful, doesn't it? 
Doesn't that sound really beautiful? It, you, it cannot be difficult to do the task that Christ appointed you to do because it is he who does it. Now experientially you may be going, wow, how's that going to work? How is, how is Jesus going to make a movie through me <laughs> uh, moment by moment? But that's the kind of context that we have going in here. Yeah, and it is truly a blessing that I wouldn't even dare to take the credit, because I knew from the get-go it wasn't me who was going to be able to do it. And I think actually everything that that we're doing is he who does it. But somehow there is a layer of ignorance or we just keep the ego going to say this is I who is doing it. But this is just, you know, the blessing is... To, to actually see it as it is. It's really, it just really sees is. It as it is. You don't have a confusion or delusion that you're the one who actually make it, which, is, which really develops the trust, you know, talking about it, because we, like, you know, how did the team come together? I didn't really pull the team come to, to, together. I, I don't really know what even was needed um, to make a movie, like who... How many technical people are needed to to put movie together? It was completely Jesus's plan, and um, like David said, this world-renowned um, cinematographer showed up because he's the father of someone who actually came to the monastery a couple of years ago. Raphael, who went through this huge healing in the monastery just by being there for three months. And his father, we always knew that his father uh, was this this big name cinematographer. But then we realized Raphael applied for mystery school. So we thought, what a miracle, Raphael applied. So we'll call him, Raphael, you're coming to mystery school. Yes, yes. Well, we're making this movie. Would you be interested? Oh, yes, yes. And my father is... Wanting some time of silence, he booked a whole month of May free, which rarely happens for his father. So he can come too to help with the project because he heard silence and hermitage and monastery. So we were overjoyed. Oh, my God, not only Raphael is coming, but his father is coming. But then later on, we realized it was another Raphael who applied. We called the wrong person. And... (laughs) But that mistake even, we were so clueless, but every single thing was contributing to this huge plan. And we didn't really know what, what we're doing, how to make it right, how to make it wrong. It's all so perfect. You know, that's like the good news of it. We didn't do any of it, and yeah. we didn't do it right or wrong. It's yeah. all just... <laughs> what it's supposed to be. <laughs> it's a little like the Three Stooges, you know, when we, you, we get such inspiration. Look, Raphael has applied to come to the mystery school. Let Oh my gosh, so right away we think we know which Raphael it is. We get all excited, we're enthusiastic, we call. Oh, my father wants to come. So here we've got Raphael from Portugal coming in his world-class uh, cinematographer father who's just Acasio who's who's booked a whole free month to come to do it and then ab- after the fact it's like oops 
you know, but see, the Spirit's doing it. There, there's no oops, there's no mistakes. You know, everything that you need is given you, whether you're fully aware of how it's happening or not. Uh, Jesus was assembling your team. He said the team would be assembled, and, and that was just a good example. And then I remember when you came to me and you said, well, you know, he, I was going to have maybe Raphael do some camera work or do some things, but, but Acasio doesn't, doesn't speak English. And I said, oh, I have a friend, you know, who, Teresa, who's over there in Portugal, and she's bilingual. Let's give her a call. And you're like, we, you mean we would just fly? It's two days before. It's two days before you're going you're gonna to fly this, call this friend and just say, oh, by the way, can you, can you fly across the ocean and come and translate and be part of a, a film? This is like two days before it's starting. So it's not like there's advance notice. And then, of course, you can tell the story. She was also so clueless because she, she was so overjoyed. Oh, my God, David called me to fly me to the United States. Yes, yes, she went to the airport, and she realized she doesn't have an airport, uh, passport. passport. <laughs> she, she realized that at the airport. She called us back. <laughs> she was so joyful. <laughs> yes, yes, I'll do it, I'll do it. Passport, please. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> I don't have a passport. But she made, I think something miraculous yeah. happened. She was able to get a passport right there at the airport. Imagine going to the United, in the United States or your particular country and trying to fly out of your country to the United States without a passport. And then that was another miracle. You see, it's all Jesus arranging time and space. If people could see how, how little control we, we seem to have and how... Everything is given that is needed to be provided for this awakening journey, and that was that turned into another miracle story. Yeah, she was able to actually right there. She had great patience and persistence to to at the airport to get a a passport. So that was uh, the way that our translator for the world class cinematographer came. Yeah, but this is just for us. It's so rewarding because because. That was truly the purpose of us even doing the project, purely for listening and following. We were given the project. It was so obvious, you know, it was so obvious. Nobody pushed it to happen. Nobody pushed it away. It was given. And then we say yes, and it's a great ride just to relax and watch how things come together. Actually, that is the biggest learning Watch, stay back and watch. Just watch how things come together, how Jesus will do it, Spirit will do it through you, but not, not by you. Yeah. And uh, it is just in every element. And this is why we, were, we want to tell these stories, because this is so, it's transferable to absolutely everything in our lives. This is exactly the kind of lives that Spirit wants us to live. He has a magic carpet. He wants us to take a ride with Him and just relax. And, and that's why we want to share because it's so joyful. You know, there is no, no effort. If anything, we just laugh of yeah. how clueless we were yeah. for this. This is not, too, this is not like, uh, like an exception. Or we're not giving you just like... The, a sequence of miracles that we experienced just around the movie. It's literally, it's a, it's literally everything. 
it, it does have a bit of a fairy tale quality with the way things are arranged, the way you, you just have the willingness, the prayer to heal and to be shown and to be guided and then things seem to drop into place. It's, you know, from a time perspective it, it seems to be miracles after miracles, I call them like cascading miracles, but what we're describing to you is, is not the exception, this is the glimpse, this is the microcosm of, of literally a, a life full of these kind of miracles and, and even though the purest of the Course would say it's like a shift of perception, when you really let go of thinking you're in charge and you're in control of how, how the world goes and how your day goes and everything, the synchronicities, uh, what was that movie, um, uh, The Celestine Prophecy, Redfield, I mean there's so many teachings, spiritual teachings that talk about synchronicities, that you start to see these metaphors, these signs, these symbols, you know, that's what people like about even when they're reading a Dan Brown uh, novel, you know, there's all these signs and symbols that lead the way for the main character and you can't wait to turn the page to see what's next, what miraculous sign and symbol will come next. But you have to really be willing to not have preconceived ideas about how things will look. Because to the extent that you have past learning preconceived ideas, that will keep the mind in, to, instead of letting the, the light pour through and the miracle shine through, it's more, sometimes for most people they say, you know, I get a miracle here and there, I don't know that I, they tell me I don't experience like daily miracles, but I get a, I get one here or there, rare one here or there, and I rejoice, and it's, a, it's more of a trickle, David, it's not, it's not the Amazon River, it's a trickle, it's a drip, I've got drip feed going on here, and I'm asking for a little bit more than drip feed, and, but you're talking about like the Amazon, uh, but it, it, with the willingness, then that's convincing. Like just the beginnings of the movie, you know, with all everything showing up, equipment, uh, characters, people to to learn how to be behind the cameras. Because Acasio, he's used to having many assistants that are highly trained camera people, highly trained, and he just kind of gives them the instructions and peers uses his eye, his cinematography eye to get, oh that's the shot, that's it right there, this is it, this is it. He's got the, the, the perception of a cinematographer, but he has trained uh, camera people. And here we're starting off with, we're happy to get the cameras. <laughs> we didn't know what the cameras we, we needed to run. We didn't know what camera was even fit for our budget and to, to make a movie. So Acasio said, let me ask my assistant. And then he came back with, this is the type of camera you, you can get. When we got the camera, we said, okay, let's set it up. How, what settings? Acasio said, I don't know. I don't set up cameras. I don't know how to set it up. So we were like, wow. <laughs> and I, I also, just the thing is, what I see now as such a blessing was how I was pushed into this situation because... To, to tell the truth, for the mind to deliberately to go to the unknown, 
and enjoy it is actually counter the way we were trained. We don't feel comfortable. We don't deliberately just saying, I would dump all my comfort zone and just go to the unknown. There is such unconscious, you know, protecting, defending, going on all the times to make sure that we are in this protected zone and we don't really go out of it. So what happened was I had nowhere to go because at the beginning we had very little time to make all these technical decisions. And I have to make a decision with the spirit. I have no other tools. I had to pray and just trust what I hear. That, that was all the time and every resource I can access. Nothing else. Prayer, you know, I don't even have time to say how to pray, how exactly, and do I hear the right voice? There was no time to even doubt that. Pray, hear, go. That was how it all started. And then when Ocasio arrived, I thought, oh, now I can trust my team. So I constantly go to Ocasio, what should we do? What do you think? The first day, Ocasio said, I listen to you. You are my director. I listen to you. You tell me. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) okay, he trusted me. He trusted me. That was amazing. And that shows again the whole thing that even though he's a world-class cinematographer, he's he's used to working as part of a system where he receives guidance and instruction. And in one sense, that's, that's what all of our prayers are. We want to hear the Spirit's guidance and instruction. Uh, and we need opportunities where we're put in there where it, we can't go hem and haw and take a poll and uh, what do you think and what do you think. You, we know it's like on the spot, Johnny on the spot, Johnny on the spot. We have to make the decisions right now. And, and that's where I think it builds trust because when you just let go into that, then it's like, okay, th- this, is, this is what we're doing. And then this, this instruction, as soon as Francis heard, you need to tell me, then that activated the Holy Spirit in Francis as the director. Then she could, with certainty, say, okay, we're going to do this, 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 this. And the confidence of listening, inner listening, and speaking what she was hearing started to grow very, very strong, which was absolutely necessary. I don't think it, the movie couldn't have uh, been filmed. The mystery school also, we're doing a mystery school at the same time, so we had how many people? 20 people. 20 people from around the world that have come there to go through a 30-day mystery school, a 30-day dismantling of their ego, of, of helping to be lifted out of their ego, so-called comfort zones, and, and start to experience their heart opening up, start to experience their own intuitions and guidances with the Holy Spirit. You know, they're coming, that's a lot of days, 30 days to, to come there. And so that was so-called the, the, the backdrop. We were there to do a mystery school, and then all this was just happening like on the side of the mystery school which was really the mystery school itself for you and, and also for all the, the, the camera people, the, the whole 
film crew. Yeah. Yeah, I just it just reminded me because when Acasio did say that, I trust you. You are my director. It's my job to trust you. It did activate something, and it reminds me of one of the workbook lessons in the course. When um, I think in one of the lessons, Jesus says,、uh, "Today we're just gonna have very loose.、Uh, you just you know you just have this thought in mind whenever you think of it." And he said, "Don't I trust you? I trust you how you want to use this." And when I read that lesson, actually, it activated something. It's like, "Whoa, Jesus trust me. He trust me." That is, you know, sometimes you know the ego just want to doubt forever. The ego is that voice that doubting the the self. It never want you to to know the power of your mind. It never want you to know it's all just up to your desire. You can change everything if you choose to. It never want you to trust this voice that you that you already hear all the time. It's doubting, doubting, doubting. And that moment when you are put in this situation. Whether it's a day that when we're doing a lesson, Jesus said, "I trust you today," or in this film project, Acasio saying, "I trust you," or any situations, this is our chance to say, "Okay, I'm gonna shut down this this voice, just never stop." You know, no, not listening to that. So yeah, that was that truly was the. You know the mystery school for everybody in the film team, and actually, in the end, even though the plan was to film people who who came to the mystery school for thirty days and the transformation, it didn't happen as planned because、uh, the film team had the most emotions. So we have a lot of emotions and a lot of.、Um, Things to to clear behind the camera, and it was the easiest way for us just to turn the camera because it feels real, it feels relevant. It is such a dismantling of self concept of I know mind.、Um, it was such a transparent time for everybody in the team to give themselves over completely do this. So that that's how it turned out. You know, we we didn't even know what eventually this movie will. Would be about, or who it would be about, or featuring. There was no plan going into it as well, but it all revealed、mm. itself to us. Yeah, and so you can kind of see that it was that was the way it was for the film team, and then the participants、uh, of the mystery school were there, but actually the film team were the ones that were mostly filmed. And also with the mystery school, this was not a, a planned. Thing where we have a curriculum lined out and detailed for 30 days,、uh, and we're just going through a pre-planned curriculum. That's not how Jesus guided us to do a mystery school. We're taking every day and we're praying together what will come. We don't even so the film crew is just learning how to to set up lighting, to set up cameras and everything. And then in the mystery school, we don't know. We have to pray to see what sessions are coming, day by day by day. What happens in the morning? Pray. We go through the session. Okay, we have lunch. What do we? What's next? You know, 
that that was very much like with this uh, coronavirus. You know, people are are starting to have to pray every day because of what seemed to be their habits and their patterns of going to jobs and and social things and going out to eat and going to uh, theaters or taking walks, doing all these things. Suddenly, it's been disrupted, and it's like a more in the moment, like, okay, what am I going to do now? And this is a good thing. It's a good thing for, that everyone's going through now, and, and it was very helpful to have the film crew and the entire mystery school just focused on prayer and guidance. Not as some kind of theory, but literally taking it day by day, and, and literally moment by moment, uh, we were finding with the film crew, because there was emotions, huge emotions coming up, and also some for the participants, but we had people working with them. So it was, it was just like a, a practicum, like a very strong practicum of, of healing, of true, deep emotional healing. And that's, that definitely comes out in the movie. You can see it written all over the faces. Mm. Uh, it's sometimes they say a picture's worth a thousand words. You can just look at the faces of the participants and you can see that there's unconscious feelings coming to the surface. There's unconscious beliefs. Whatever people were thinking, it's not like hidden private thoughts. These, these uh, even the film team expression sessions were, were raw, very, very emotionally raw. And you had to kind of just be very peaceful and calm and almost like be a conduit and, and a welcomer. Yeah. Saying it's safe, it's safe. Don't focus so much on on the task here. We'll we'll focus on we'll do that too. But but you need to feel safe just being here, and and moving forward, day day in and day out. Yeah, we actually uh, get, show the movie to um, a friend of ours, a director, a real director in uh, Mexico City. He just watched it few days ago and we had a call yesterday and he's, he was watching some of the film crew expression and he was like, oh, that's the, the, the way you talk. <laughs> it was very, very raw. He was, tri he was triggered, <laughs> yeah, just as being a director and watching, watching the film. Uh, but that was good too because you could see his, his wife is saying he's expanding now. He's, he's not even relating to his actors and and producers and screenwriters the same way in his meetings uh, because he's he's touched. So it, it's like a it's like an allowance or permission when you start to move in this direction you really do have to have the faith to hang in there because that's why the mind repressed this intensity in the first place. That's why there seems to even be an unconscious mind is because of the intensity of of the emotions, but we're we're seeing here. Of course, that's our whole life of of reversing that of of a great allowance for that, and also a great faith that 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 you still can move ahead and still do the the filming. You still did the filming. It wasn't like you just kind of it came together and there was a puddle of emotions and you said, "Oh, scrap it." <laughs> you know, we got the cameras, we got everything here, but. Yeah. But the emotions are too intense. I think that was a, a, a good point because, you know, we have this question, do we focus on the spirit 
or do we focus on the world? That was a, you know, to the mind, how can you just focus on the spirit? And if you don't focus on the world, what are the logistics? How are the logistics? How are my life going to be? How am I work done? And um, for this project, I hope that can be a demonstration that if, you, if we focus, if we give our priority to our mind for healing, everything else will be done for us. So it's not, you know, the, the, the fear was if I just relax into trust, I just trust and focus on the healing of my mind, I would just end up um, a couch potato or I, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be irresponsible, I'm going to be this. But that is, that is just an idea that we don't want to bring to the present. That idea needs to be let go of because that is not what is going to happen. So with the movie, it is extremely practical. It is a real project. You can't just be chanting and um, getting, a, you know, it's, it's not going to be done that way. So there seems to be an outpour of actions and uh, a lot of communication, a lot of actual um, action and doing. But what is, how is this really done is through focusing on the healing in the mind. So when we came together, um, the film team came together very excited. We, we barely know each other. Most of us actually don't know each other. So when we came together very quickly, there, the, you know, when you came together and work on some, a real project, suddenly all the, all the emotions and attack thoughts and projections start to happen with each other. You know, this should be done this way. Who are you to tell me? Um, there are many, many things just start to rise up. And for us, we cannot push those things away. We cannot swipe it under the carpet and say, this is really important to do. We have to get it done. And let's forget about our emotions and focus on the best, most efficient way to get a project done. It's not working because, because if we're not connected, if we're not really aiming at really following the spirit together, there's only one spirit and we're all following together like it's a one unit. And then forgive everything that is standing in the way between us, among us. So that was, that was the goal. You know, we're moving towards the spirit's given direction, but among us, everything that's standing in the way as projection we have to give priority to forgive. So it was true. Actually, a lot of the time were used for meetings, for talking through, for expressions. But in my experience, everything else was done so quickly. It was unbelievable how quick those things were done. Once you're, you have nothing in between you anymore, you have everything healed Everything was out in the open. Nothing was hidden. You express it. You look at it. You feel safe. You feel connected. Then the action aspect 
was very very quick. Actually, my pro my problem was by a twenty by day twenty three we have thirty days. By day twenty three, I stopped hearing everything. I stopped hearing the the daily instructions, and I thought for it can't be finished by now. I'm only like twenty some days into the thirty days, but that was it. There was no more things to be done. And then we just had a few more days at the very end of the retreat because there was a big ceremony. You will see it was the ending of the movie. We had some, we had a wedding there. So, but if you really think about the actual project, the action element was was so quick, so easy. It was like a flow. It was done before you realize it. And the only reason that that experience was like that was because there was a huge focus on on the healing and what was behind. What was the real purpose of this project? Is this for the future goal, or is this for a present, a present healing? And we have to constantly come back to to the priority. So yeah, I think too, you know. To give you a context for this is is we are part of a very very devoted spiritual community that believes that Jesus can speak to us and guide us, and for me it's been being shown in a practical way. Even though this was our first mystery school, we were calling it a mystery school, a thirty day mystery school. I had done maybe. Four of these big, um, we call them devotional retreats. I think the first one I did was four weeks in、uh, Mallorca, and then there was six weeks. Every the ones after that were all six weeks. So that wasn't something new for us, you know, to show up and to have people come and land on the same spot from different parts of the world for a number of weeks to be together. To live together, with no preset curriculum, no preset.、Uh, oh, you'll be coming, and you'll be on the the kitchen team, and you'll do this and that. We have people showing up to make a movie who have who don't really know each other, and who are trusting that the spirit is there and is going to bring about healing. We have twenty participants. Coming with the same willingness to show up for thirty days and trust that they will go through a very deep healing experience without a prearranged curriculum. Obviously, forgiveness is is our curriculum, but that's given moment by moment. You have to really listen and follow. And also, you might say it was a deep tradition of of trust. It was like years of devotional trust of listening and and following, where we have that. That、uh, confidence.、Um, so when we meet to have、uh, a lunch or a dinner, we just are there in prayer, and we're open, and we're transparent, and we're exposing, and we are seeing what is it for us now, what is given. But that is a—you have to make that a lifestyle, or as Jesus says in the course, he says you have to be habitually miracle-minded, habitually miracle-minded. He's not saying you can't just. Do it the way you've done in the past, and then when things start to get really difficult and 
and ego seems to be clashing and, and rearing its head and things get really extreme and worse. Then you like run off to, in your closet and go, help me Jesus, please pull me out of this. This is like a lifestyle. This is a day-by-day -day mind training. This is, this is like Byron Katie would call inquiry with everything. You know, asking her questions with everything. She's watching her mind 24-7. She's probably asking her, her inquiry questions in her dreams at night because it's, she's so devoted to that inquiry. The, similarly, this is the devotion. This is the level of devotion. And that's why we could confidently say, come. We could welcome all these different people from around the world to be on the film team. Uh, even though the, the direction of the film even shifted you know, pretty early on, okay, that's okay, that's what's given. Then the film team will be the ones filmed. They'll be the filmers and the filmees. Didn't see that one coming. And then you've got 20 people. You'll see in the movie, they've got their emotions going on too. There's emotions in the kitchen. You throw three, four, five people together in a, in a community kitchen, uh, and they're not necessarily chefs, or maybe they have a whole self-concept <laughs> of being the chef, and that's going to be dismantled. You, you see how much trust it takes to come together. Almost reminded me like of the 60s. Some of you remember or have heard of the 60s. They called them encounter groups. Oh, cool. Cool, man. Yeah, let's just meet out on the park. Yeah, we'll meet out on the grass. What are you doing? We're going to have an encounter. We're doing an encounter group. What's an encounter group? Oh, we're going to express our emotions and maybe play some music and jam a little, put on the boombox, you know. Encounter groups, that's exciting. Uh, wow, that has a huge potential for healing. <laughs> now we're in quarantine, but you know, those were the days. The 60s encounter groups, <laughs> bring out your tie-dye and you know, really get into it. I think I mostly read about this, not that I was a, I didn't ever have long hair and the beads and everything, but I was in that vibe <laughs> in the 70s. <laughs> and, and I think for, for those who are doing the course, yeah, remember every encounter is a holy encounter, Jesus says. And really Jesus is saying in the course, you need to have a prayer on your heart. You know, I am here only to be truly helpful. Really that's what I think the film and the whole, everyone at the Mystery School was going through a, a prayer of, of more and more showing up with a desire to be healed and a willingness and, and really that, how can I be helpful? Because there has to be something inside that, that carries us through when there's all these ego expressions and you know, I don't like what you're doing there and you're amateurs here and this and this and this. All the the, the ego stuff is there, but there has to be a very strong faith and trust to be carried through. And that fits with what I was sharing earlier about, you know, not thinking you already know before you get to the situation. Some of you remember that from Rules for Decision in The Course in Miracles where Jesus says, your main problem is you, you first decide what to do and then you ask me. You see? This is, this is toward the end of the text, when Jesus is giving rules for decision, your major problem is you first decide what to do, and then you ask. 
You see, he's saying, oh no, it doesn't work that way. You ask me first, and then I'll tell you what to do. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the guidance, I'll give you the instructions. It'll be so wonderful if you tune in and ask first, and follow what is given you, then first egoically deciding based on your past learning, based on your ego preferences, based on your own personal interpretation of the situation, if you do that first and you make your decision, then chances are you're going to be going help, uh, because you've already stepped off the cliff, so to speak. You've, you've already arrogantly chosen what the situation means, according to past learning. So that's what this whole thing seems to be like, a, an actual practicum and I will step back and let him lead the way. And I think a lot of the times um, we don't really realize that everything happens is, is such an answer to our prayer because the Spirit hears the prayer of our heart and the Spirit is there with us to orchestrate that, to pull us through whatever that's happening. And it is such an honor for me, actually, because I went through this project from beginning to end. Um, we filmed about 300 hours of footage, and we filmed everybody. You will see just a few characters, but we filmed a lot more footage. And I, I saw all their expressions all their prayers at the very beginning of, of the month. Some of the prayers they don't even remember. Um, and then I get to watch what played out during the month and the pain that they were going through, even though that was the exact thing that they were, they were praying for. It was amazing for me to see how everything is a prayer. It's not a problem. And it was the ego's judgment the ego's way of looking at everything until it's the problem. You need to change. There is lack going on. This is not what you want. But if you really see, you know, you, you take a step back and just see everything. It is amazing how everything is a prayer, is, is an answer to our prayer. And that's, that's why we can trust. That's why we actually are able to just say everybody can come and we don't have to have any plans because we're not afraid things will go wrong because nothing will go wrong. If, if you just plant your mind so firmly to be with the Spirit, to see with the Spirit, to think with the Spirit, there, you don't perceive things going wrong because everything actually heals and come together. So there is no real fear of, oh, is the emotion too intense? Where is it leading? You know, the, the work does involve really looking at the ego and the emotions. But once you, you allow them and you look at it, you don't, you're not afraid of them anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I think also I can stress that I'll, I'll, I'll use a little metaphysics here from the Course to kind of throw us really into a, a much more helpful context. You know, it's, for, for most people, 
they have the story of their life that begins with birth and then it, it begins in time and space and it begins in a location with a, a particular set of parents or parent and, and a context. And for human beings, they believe that their, their beginning, that's why they call it birthday. You know, you celebrate your birthday. It starts with the slap on the bottom and, and the, ah, you're coming to the world and, and everything is a little baby. Oh, believe me, that's not the beginning at all. It's, it's a mind experience. It seems like you tell this story like as if there's, I was born to these parents and I was born into this kind of socio-economic class and, and I, I was born into this culture and I was born at this time or this era. And it seems like there's all these time-space factors that shape and determine who we are as people. The only thing is, none of it is true and none of it is realistic. It's, we, it's, a, it's a big shared lie. It's an attempt to share a lie. And what Jesus does in the Course is he says, this is all part of a self-concept, a time-space self-concept that you made to take the place of your real Christ identity, your real identity in, in heaven. And it's, it's involving a self-concept that has two tiers. It's got a face of innocence, which is your personality self that seems to have things, some, some bad things happen to it, and sometimes the face of innocence is wet with tears at the injustices of the world. And, you know, we say, oh, my parents, my mom treated me this way, my dad, do you know what kind of neighbor I had? And, oh, I happened to be born uh, during a famine, or imagine being born now. Oh, I'm a 2020 baby, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I'm a Corona baby. Yeah, I, what do I got to start off for my life? Corona. The whole, the whole world's into lockdown and isolation. Nobody's hugging and everybody's walled off and quarantined. Imagine your story being a, a 2020 baby, you know, you tell the future generations, oh, I was born, I, I had an unfair start. But you see, the whole thing is, Jesus says, the self-concept is two. You have a dream that you dream in secret, and a dream that you gave away. What we perceive as the world, you know, of time and space, is the dream that was given away. As if, he says, it's done to you. Oh, now I'm a human being on planet Earth, and now I'm dealing with this, oh, oh, it's an external thing. That's a corona thing. You got a corona thing going on there, and we got some economic waves going, lots of political tidal waves and this and this, as if, as if the situations you face every day and the world that you perceive is external to you. Because now, if once you give away this dream and, and you have a dream that you dream in secret, that's the unconscious mind. That's the, the mind, where, that's where all these beliefs of attack are. Uh, attack, division, conflict, competition. That's the dream that you dream in secret, and the dream that you gave away is now as if it's being done to you as a person. So people seem to have minds of their own, and now they're characters, and sometimes they're sweet, and sometimes they're vicious, and sometimes they're loving, and sometimes they're hateful, spiteful. And sometimes it's, oh, let's baseball, hot dog, apple pie, and Chevrolet, and then Corona, 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 Corona. You know, it, it can shift uh, pretty drastically, but it still seems like the world is happening to you. Like you're dealing with external situations 
and external conditions. And now Jesus is here, the, the great, the way, the truth, and the life, the master, to tell us, no, you're dreaming it, and it's there by your own election. Everything that you perceive is there by your own election. You made a decision in your mind, and that's why the world seems to be the way it is, with no exceptions. So whatever you perceive in the world is your perception based of really of yourself and your mind projected outward as if it's being done to you as a person. Why is all that important? Well, it's because that's why what we're talking about with this movie and this mystery school is so important. Because if you think that situations just happen to you and you can say, oh, I had a good day, I had five good things happen to me and only three bad things. Oh yeah, what, who says they're good and bad? Who says they're good and bad? And, and more than that, it's not like they're being done to you against your will, it's the mind is calling forth witnesses to what it believes. You know, you've heard of as you sow, so shall you reap. Giving and receiving are the same. That's, that's what the whole meaning of that Solaris movie is. You know, it's the power of the mind and, and drawing forth these witnesses. So the reason I'm sharing this is because in the context of, let's just come back to the example of the movie, Everyone's used to wanting the world to be a certain way, look a certain way, uh, and, and yet everyone is reacting and responding as if they're being offended multiple times every day by something not their own mind, you know. And that's what's ridiculous about it. That's why the angels are always laughing. Every time the humans are doing whatever they're doing, the angels are just howling, laughing. Because it's got to be a comedy. Talk about a, div a divine comedy of doing it to yourself, but continuing to play the blame game. Continuing to put it out onto a world that's really not out there at all. That's what the Course is teaching us. It's not, the world's not external to your mind. So, that's why it's so important to trust. That's why it's so important to, to learn to make a contact with the intuitive, the, the Spirit's voice. Because without that, what it's going to be a lot of delays and it's going to seem to be like a very hard, difficult, and sometimes uh, it will seem pointless, it will seem futile, it will seem like, why do this? Like, what's the point? It's like, it's overwhelming when you see it all as external, but as soon as you start to have a faith that, that you can make a change by following this in, inner guidance, this intuition, it turns, as Byron Katie says, it turns everything around. It's, it's instead of accusing uh, this politician and saying, I can't believe what he did, why not bring it back and say, wow, I, I still I'm not willing to face what I believe I've done. Uh, whenever I'm, I'm still questioning somebody else's motives and saying they are evil or they have ill intent, get them out of here, get them out of my face, I don't want to see them on my movie screen <laughs> anymore, get them out, fire, fire them. It's really the opportunity to look inside and say, what is it that I don't want to face in my mind? That I'm saying, get them out of here. What is it that 
I don't want to face in my own motives if I'm pointing the finger. You know, Jesus said, get the, get the, the, before you get the speck out of your brother's eyes, he said in the Bible, get the beam or the log out of your own. Whatever egoic thoughts and beliefs that I'm not willing to face, that I'm going to just assume are true, and I don't like, then the projection is, oh, they're the problem, they need to change, they're not right, something's not right in the world. But you can see how the whole thing has to turn around. That's what actually spiritual healing is, is bringing it all back and, and seeing that you are empowered, your mind is empowered when you see that you've been doing it to yourself and you're not willing to continue doing it to yourself anymore. That's where the healing occurs. And that is exactly why we want to give every symbol, every task, every bit of our life over to be guided by the Spirit. And that is the point of guidance, because is is the reason that we have, we're given a project and we're saying, okay, let's just have this project be done based on guidance. Is that because it's going to have a better product? Not really. It, it's not really for, for any of that reason. It's purely because there is an unconscious guilt. There is a projected world out there. And any time when we still think there is a problem, we actually don't really know the source of the problem. But by following the guidance, we are gradually getting into the core of who we are because where the guidance is coming from is the core. So if we, are, if, if we want to go back to the core, if we want to realize the core, wouldn't that make sense? You follow the core? That, you don't go against it? That is actually very logical or in, in that way. Mm -hmm. Okay, I want to realize myself. I want to see what is truly my true self. Then follow the true self. It's such a blessing to actually know that spirit can guide us even in this perceptual world. And that is because everything is used, it's, it's symbols, and the spirit is inside, and we can give those symbols completely f for a different purpose. We can say these symbols, even the whole time of space, is purely given to you, and I don't have my own agenda because I don't really know the problem, so I don't know the solution. I don't know the ideal outcome that I want to achieve in time and space. I want to find you, so I'm going to follow whatever you point. So that is the real reason that we follow the guidance, and the guidance itself in the direction in form is not for us to judge. It's not for us to say, I think it's a good guidance. I think that guidance is right. We don't, because we know the, the result or the goal that the guidance is leading is beyond this world. It's actually beyond this world. And that is truly what our life is given to, you know. So that's why there is a unified purpose, we can use the word 
miracle-minded habitually because we don't compartmentalize our life and say we have half of the day we're given to the project to produce something in this world to create a better self-concept so that we can get more approval from this world. The half of the day we're going to go into meditation, we give it to the spirit. No, we have one goal and one goal only. And our time and, and everything, every symbol that we perceive is you guide so that we can achieve. So that is how, how we can all live like that. That is truly how practical A Course in Miracle is, the teaching of the Course is. It is practical because it's not separated from this perceptual world. You know, it's not just a mind, um, a mind game or thinking. Yeah, you just—we're not really asked to just to skip over anything. You know, like that's why we ask for your your prayers when we say, "Please write it out for us." You know, spill the beans. Tell us your situation. Tell us what's what's going on in your heart. Tell us tell us what your thoughts are, your concerns. Because that's, that's actually where it starts. Just like if you went to a psychotherapist, uh, you know, the psychotherapist is, has you come in and settle and relax and says, and tell me what's going on for you. You know, there's an invitation. That's what we're doing. Tell me what's going on in your, your perceptual experience right now. Because it's not so much whatever we seem to perceive. We may think that there's a concrete world out there and that, you know, you hear things, people are just this way, or people can't be trusted, or men are like this, and women are like this, and this country is like this, or this race is like that. That's just stereotypical ego thinking. The problem's in the mind. That's where the, the ego is. The ego is not in the world. The ego's projected the world to hide, uh, hide behind it. It doesn't want you to find it in your mind. It wants you to keep pointing the finger and blaming what seems to be external circumstances that it projected out there so that you would get all caught up. I think of the Bible too, I remember that, that beautiful parable Jesus told where he talks about the parable of the sower, you know, where the, the seeds are getting flung and flung and flung and some are landing on the rocks and some are landing on the, the thorns and the thistles and some land in the fertile soil and, and spring up strong and the other ones don't really do very well. The ones that are on, on the rock or that are out in the sun, they burn up and they do. And then he tells the whole parable and then of course, you know, the apostles go, what is the meaning, Master? You know, what, what does it mean? They don't know what he's talking about, you know. Tell us what. And he says, well, the, the, the seed is the Word of God. And when we start talking about the stones, there's no, there's no roots. You know, the sun will burn the, the seeds away because they, they can't root into the rocks. And then with the thistles and the, the tares and the, the weeds, basically, it, it, the seed grows up among the weeds, but the weeds, there's so many weeds that they just crowd out the Word of God. The, mm. You know, he has to tell them that the seeds are the Word of God. And all of us have been given the Word of God. All of us have been, been given this glorious truth. And it's a free, beautiful gift. But we, we have to let, the, we have to steer away from the distractions. We have to really make the prayer of our heart 
for God be, be so strong because this is a world that the ego made of many, many distractions and many side roads that go nowhere. If you follow them out, they just are dead ends. Every single one of them is a dead end. He says that in the Course, all of the roadways of the world lead to death. But, just like in the Wizard of Oz, if you hang in there with your mighty companions, you know, it's not just Dorothy, we've got Tin Man, we've got Lion, who else? There's, a, there's more characters. They're, they are there on the yellow brick road together taking this journey. Is it a peaceful journey? I don't think flying monkeys and witches with the green pointy noses coming on broomsticks is exactly peaceful. They've got to face a few distractions themselves just to stay on the road. Uh, it takes a lot of faith with all the distractions. You turn on the TV or the media or the internet, you look in that little box, whether it's your internet screen or your phone screen or whatever, watch out for temptation. <laughs> you know, watch out to have your mind get, get caught up in the, the images and the judgments and the interpretations and the conflicts. But once they make it to the wizard, that's hallelujah. They finally get into the wizard and even there, there's a big screen trying to scare them. Big head, big loud voice and lots of smoke and, and it's basically the message on the screen is you should be afraid, you should be afraid. You go through this whole journey, you make it past the flying monkeys, you finally make it there and you get a big head, like a big skull telling you be afraid, be afraid, be afraid until Toto, the dog, jumps out of Dorothy's arms, runs over and pulls the curtain on the little frightened man who's trying to use this big screen. It's like the ego is unveiled, the dog pulls the curtain and then it tries to protect the pain, it pulls the curtain back, pay no attention to the man behind the screen, you know, too late. Too late, they've seen him. The gig is up. This little puff, it's trying to, to use this whole world of time and space to scare you, to keep you little, to keep you in a false identity. The gig is up. And, and that's what's so beautiful about this is that, that you start to learn, I, I can follow guidance and, and I really must follow the guidance if, if I'm going to go back. You were calling it the core. I must follow the core to go to the core. <laughs> I must not follow the, the projections and the distractions to go to the core. I must follow the core to go to the core. Mm -hmm. And it works. That's one of the things we're, we're here to talk about. That's what we love about this. I mean, everything that you pour out, whatever your seeming situation, is we're joining with you in an empowering sense to say, the situation isn't determining your experiences. Your state of mind is not circumstance dependent. Your state of mind is not dependent on externals. It's not dependent on, on form. Viktor Frankl, the man who wrote uh, that beautiful book, uh, what was it about meaning, it was Men, about, about the Holocaust, and it was all, I mean, I remember Man's Search for Meaning, that's what it was. 
Viktor Frankl. He was, he was in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany. And what did he write about in Man's Search for Meaning? He wrote a book that what did he learn from Nazi Germany Holocaust? It's almost like right now people are, are saying, what are you learning from coronavirus? What, what did Viktor Frankl learn from the concentration camps? He learned one thing and he wrote about it in that book, that my state of mind is my choice. I remember when I first saw that in the book, my mouth just dropped open because yeah. I'd heard the idea before, but this was coming with a concentration camp in Nazi Germany. That's what he discovered. That was the purpose for him. That's what he took away from his experiences at a, at a concentration camp, that my state of mind is my decision. And isn't that what Jesus is teaching us with the Course in Miracles. Isn't that the very same lesson that he is teaching us? That our state of mind is our choice. It's huge. My heart just burst open in, in joy when I, when I read that in that book. Almost like, uh-oh, big moment, big moment in my life. This one, I'm not going to forget this lesson. And then you start to turn that lesson into your, your torch, your your goal, your focus, you know. And once you do that, you start to draw witnesses. Then I, years later, after Viktor Frankl's book, I pick up A Course in Miracles. Whoa, talk about an owner's manual to my choice, my state of mind is my choice. That's a, that's a pretty strong uh, tool for it. But that's just a witness. The Course was just a a witness to, I guess you could say, to the prayer of the heart. That is, uh, that's the realization that gets you freedom. If you, if you don't just hear the words because it's someone else's truth, you actually embody it and realize it for yourself that it is my own choice to choose happiness and it is only my, it's only a choice. It's really not dependent on anything else. Then that is the end, truly. This is the end. It's just a matter of keep choosing it. So I think that is what the teaching is. is. Is not we even need anything else, but all that we're doing is to practice and to have this glimmer of miracles by following the guidance so much to realize ultimately it's not only possible, it is up to us to choose it. And I think the desire that we have will, will guide us finding, finding, you know, the calling, just like this project come to me, not by my choice, so to speak, but offered everything, offered absolutely everything in experience. And I think, you know, of course, when we talk about guidance, the next question is how? to hear guidance. Yeah. And I would say that is through desire. That's truly how you hear guidance. Through desire, if, if that is truly what we want, then that's what we receive. That is the power of our mind. Whatever we, re we want, we call to us the experience, the people that would help us, the kind of experience that would need for us to purify this desire. Yeah, that was actually a, a question in here. I think, uh, yeah, Krista, 
Krista, who has been talking to you, she actually asked in, in her question um, uh, to loosen from the problems, fear, pressure, plans, and control, I think I have, and from the how question. So, so that's beautiful. Krista's taking it all the way, saying I want to get free of the, the fear, the pressures, the plans, but also I want to get free from the how question. And you know, that's, I'm glad you brought it up in that way because, because we have a past learning reference for the how. Whenever, whenever the ego comes in with how are you going to do it, it's asking you for the form. Yes. It's always asking you how you're going to do it. Oh, you want a house, how are you going to do that? You got no money. Uh, oh, you want a relationship, how are you going to do that? With your self-concept, uh, you want a relationship, the ego is like, what do you got to offer <laughs> in return? You see how the how is associated with, with time. You know, how are you going to do it? What are the means? But what Francis just shared was, what if the how is the desire? What if the how is deep within you and you are going to get the answer into what is it that you want? Because ultimately, uh, when you go through A Course in Miracles, you know, he talks about forgiveness, he talks about the miracle, he talks about the holy relationship, and then he starts talking about the holy instant. And the way Jesus talks about the holy instant, he's like, if you know this holy instant, you will never doubt anything again. If you can find and experience this holy instant. But then he tells you, you can't find it by placing it in the future. Whoops, there goes the, the ego's plan. The ego doesn't even know what a holy instant is, but it, it, would, it would right away say, okay, what do I need? What do I have to learn? No, no, Jesus says, you don't learn the holy instant. You have to unlearn everything <laughs> that you believe to find the holy instant. But you find it by desiring it. And so that's really what you just said was the answer to, to Krista's question. That is the how. What do you want? Your mind is so powerful. Our, our mind was created with such power that what we want is it sets off a, a chain of what seems to be beliefs and a chain of dis decisions and a change of feelings that all come radiating out from the core of, of the desire. So, that's what I find is, instead of trying to say, here's a problem I perceive, and these are the specific circumstances that I perceive a problem. Now, how am I going to get out of it, or how am I going to solve this Rubik's Cube of a projection, and it's more like, how do I feel? How do I feel? And what do I want to feel? Which is even deeper than how do I feel, but what do I want? Do, do I really, really want peace? Or, or have I set in motion a perception of all kinds of things that are just reflections of wanting something other than peace. You see how simple that is. So it really brings it back to, I really need to have honesty about what is it that I really want. What is it that's on my altar in my mind? What have I placed 
on the altar. Well, this is also a time where we we would like to get, well, get we to can, know, open yeah. it up a bit. Yeah, we also we have time to get into your questions, and uh, even after the movie, we still have time to even answer or hear your expression. Have the cast here, but uh, tonight we also just thought to invite you to you know to share with us where you're at. What is the prayer of your heart right now? Um, we want to hear from you. Yeah. So you can raise your digital hands so that Eric can open the mic, mic up for you and yeah, invite you to, to share with us. Okay, Peter Block has raised his hand, but his video is off. So, Peter, if you can turn your, your video on, we can see you. Otherwise, I'll go ahead and unmute you, and you can just speak. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Right. Hi, guys. How are you going? Good, good. good. Hi, Peter. Yeah, uh, Ray just talked about praying for guidance at the start of the movie, and she didn't have time to doubt the answer. But what happens when you choose the wrong guide and you make a choice for the wrong decision, especially when it seems like so important? Um, at times I've thought like, oh, shit, like I haven't waited long enough and I've um, made that wrong decision. And it seems like it can't, it can't be undone. Um, what happens then? You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, that 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 definitely can come up as a question, like wanting to know. But what I have found out is what is right and what is wrong has to be really looked at because um, I can just share with you the example. Um, at the end of the movie, after two years of making it, I took the movie to a, a film studio in Portugal to get it all putting together. And um, it's a professional studio, and they basically spend a whole hour telling me the kind of mistakes we made. All the mistakes, even the cameras. We, bought, we have three identical cameras. He told me that it was all on different settings. Some settings were right, some settings were wrong, which makes the ending comp compilation process extremely hard to do almost impossible. So he was basically just sitting there telling me everything that went wrong. And I was sitting there in the film studio listening to everything that went wrong. And I thought, but how am I still here? I finished the movie. How, how is that possible? And then at the end of the hour, he said, and I fixed it. So all of that mistake, seeming mistake, he just one sentence at the end, and I fixed it. He just let, wanted to let me know. It's the FYI. And, but for me, I was thinking, right. So we didn't get the most accurate setting. We didn't do the, the, the movie in the professional way, the most efficient, time-saving way, or even for the end product, it's probably not as polished as it could be. But what was the right decision? Because... We, we followed Jesus. We trusted. So what was the real de result? I purified my desire. 
I did nothing in that whole month except asking, listening, following. That's all I did. Did I want to hear him? Oh, yes. Did I want to hear my ego? No. I gave everything I got. I talked to the team. We were clearing up so many emotions and so many projections. We had such a deep relationship, so much undoing of the self-concept. In the end, everybody walked away saying, we don't care about the end result. Even if the movie got so wrong that nothing got come out, it was so right because it served the purpose that we we held for that whole time. And that purpose was to learn how to listen and was to know how to heal, how to have a healing through relationships, through trust. We want to learn trust. We want to know that we are carried. That had to be learned through experience. That had to be learned through, you know, and also how to mute these doubt thoughts. What is right? What is wrong? Actually, it's a good question you're asking because you reminded me, I was talking with Jason before uh, the project. We went to Apple Store to look at some cables. And we were standing in the Apple Store in Salt Lake City in Utah, and we were saying, let's have a prayer at the end of this project. We want to let go of the belief of right and wrong. That's, that was my prayer with Jason, and he was also part of the. So I think it is um, you know, a total shift of mind. That's why we don't even know the goal. What is the right goal? What is the right and outcome. To be honest, everything that got achieved was so different from what we thought would be achieved. And so much more magnitude, so much more than what we we could imagine when we got into it. And that was the gift, you know? Yeah. And you're just, Peter, it's so great that you're opening up and describing, even asking the question, because because I would say too that that the realm of time and space, the, the realm of seeming separation and, and, and the human condition, I'll just call it the human condition, is a condition of trying to evaluate. So it seems very natural to a human being uh, to, I want to make the right decisions and there can be wrong decisions and I need to tell the difference. In fact, why do our parents try to teach us the difference between right and wrong? Why do we go to, to uh, school? All those years at school, most of us, uh, is we're, we're supposed to be in a curriculum of judgment and a judgment of, of discerning between what's right and wrong. Now, it's kind of interesting when you look, step back at the human condition and you say, has anybody ever figured that out? <laughs> like, have, have we ever seen anybody go definitively? This is right and this is wrong. You know, I mean, the, there is no universal agreement. In, in fact, Jesus is saying there, there is no such thing. There will be no universal theology. You know, it's almost like we're just praying, come on, give us, give us like a, a current Ten Commandments. Give us the correct theology. And Jesus is like, no, there will never be a, a, a universal theology. But there will be a universal experience 
And that experiences of truth or union or oneness. And in that state of mind, the question of evaluation doesn't arise. In other words, God is not an evaluator. So you see how arrogant that is of the human condition to say, oh, I have to tell the difference between right and wrong. Now with the Course in Miracles, what Jesus says is, I know what you believe. I know, I know what you believe is part of the human condition. So I'm going to simplify it. And I want you to take this concern about right and wrong, and right decision, wrong decision, I want you to take it off the body. I don't want you to evaluate the body at all. In fact, the Holy Spirit sees the body as neutral, so the Holy Spirit is not like good body, bad body, beautiful body, ugly body. No, that's the ego that, that projects all that onto the body. The body is just neutral to the Holy Spirit. And so the whole mind training is basically what he calls right mind, wrong mind. You know, the ego is your wrong mind. Every decision you make with the ego is a wrong-minded decision. And every decision you make with the spirit is a right-minded decision. So that's good. That gives us something to go for. Because, you know, this is duality here. So we, we need something, like, we need to drop a ladder down here, throw us a rope, uh, throw something we can grab onto here, and grab a rung, anything you can. Now, but that discernment of right mind, wrong mind is in, is in the mind. It's a purpose. So really, when you say you want to make the, the right decisions, you're really saying, I want to answer my calling. I want to be aligned with God. I want to be aligned with Spirit. In every seeming decision I make, in time and space, be you in charge. I would but follow. You guide, I listen. You know the way out, I don't. <laughs> you know, you see, it, that's really what it comes down to. Now, I'll give you one more tip here. Jesus does say that in the most basic way, the best way to tell whether you're aligned with spirit or you're, you're choosing the ego, he says, it's this one question, how do I feel? You see, he's, he's saying, You've, you got too intellectual, you got too uh, pushed away from your feelings, you know, you've You've disconnected from your barometer. <laughs> you know, your barometer is truly, how do I feel? Now, I, admittedly, the ego is real sneaky, so it comes up with its whole, whole range of its own feelings, including like pain and pleasure, which, which actually are both part of the wrong mind. Uh, that's why it's so sneaky. Because one feels good and you think, ah, that's a good one. <laughs> And then, oh, that's a bad one over there. Pain is the bad one, pleasure is the good one. Actually, the miracle transcends both pain and pleasure. You know, when we start to follow our calling, all the mystics and saints have gone into a deep mystical union with the spirit that literally transcends uh, the body and, and transcends feelings of those kind of dualistic feelings. So it's beautiful. You've kind of asked a, a question that that actually is very important, and it's beautiful that you're you know you're the first one right out where you're you're saying, because there's a lot of anxiety and stress about making the right decisions, mm -hmm. and I would say the where the source of that anxiety is coming from is coming from the ego, that has convinced us that we actually 
can make good choices and bad choices inform, like good behaviors and bad behaviors, you know. You have to be good, behave good, and you're in God's favor, behave bad, <laughs> not good, you know. You see, we put too much onto the body and we have not focused enough on our thoughts. We have not focused enough on what's going on in our consciousness. So that's why we have a whole program, that's what the course is, it's a course in mind training. It's really a course in inner discernment, to become more practically speaking aligned and to be able to tell the difference between these two thought systems in the mind. And, and that's definitely a lifelong journey. It's, it's not like, uh, I mean Francis did touch on it, like what do you desire? That's the, I think that's the fast track, is like huge self-honesty about what is it that I really want. Because the ego has made so many pseudo-choices, so many distractions, it tries to make a very simple decision into a very complex equation. But I, thank you for asking that. And I think this weekend will actually start to, to show you, uh, like you'll be able to watch these characters in the movie, because you'll see it on their faces. They, they want to do the right thing. They, they have, you'll see their anxiety and, and you'll see their uh, uneasiness, uh, almost like the ambiguity of like, oh I want I I to do this right. And behind that I think they just want to heal. They really have a prayer for healing. Frances heard them all. She recorded all their prayers for healing and then they forgot about them. And then when she's sitting in the editing room, she's like, holy cow, look at this. It's all there in the footage. She was able to, you might say, had the director's cut. She could see a massive amount of, of footage, but she could actually see that, that everyone who had prayed the prayer, everyone, their prayers were answered. Uh, through the footage. And that we have to trust in that too, that, that, that basically all our prayers are answered. Thank you, Pedro. Okay, next we have a question from Jacqueline. Go ahead, Jacqueline. Okay, so... Um, so I'm not sure I have a question. I wanted to just say to, um, so I was like um, thinking about what um, Francis had spoken about, about how when you're, um, when you ask for healing and then something comes to you that you don't expect at all, like totally beyond what you could even think about. And, uh, and then to just be able to accept it, you know, and just take it in and say, this, this, is, this is it, this is what I asked for, instead of like saying, where did this come from? Or, you know, why is this happening? To kind of get beyond that place and just really take it in. I'm not really sure what I'm saying, but I was kind of guided to raise my hand. So I'm going to try to try to get to this. Um, because I think sometimes um, what, what we're guided to, what we're given, can be really terrifying. And maybe you experience that, you know, but sometimes there can just be a lot of terror and it's hard to look at it and go, whoa, I'm, I, I'm making this happen and uh, it's for a good reason and guidance is taking me there. You know, um, 
Yeah, sometimes it's just, um, but, but, you, but in a sense, you can feel that deep place because I know that my prayer, my deep prayer was to feel on an experiential level, not just an intellectual level, my connection with everyone and God and all that is, just feel that. I really want that deep healing and I don't want anything else. I mean, I've given up everything and just focused now on healing. I've been doing it for quite a while and it got more and more intense. And now it's just like, there's nothing else but this. And, uh, but I, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, uh, you know, that, I guess the question would be, you know, if we are, if we are truly responsible for every thought and everything that we've created, and I, I see myself as the dreamer of the dream, but in a sense, I've created something, I've made something happen, I don't know about creation, but I've, I'm making something happen that is just beyond anything I could comprehend. And I'm like, whoa. I'm working as hard as I can to make that shift into just accepting it and following guidance. In fact, I have to, there's no other choice. I just, now it's happening. I just have to do it. I have to go where I'm told, do what I'm told to do. You know, it's just all guidance. So, but how do I, is, is there a way, could you just comment on it a little bit? Anybody actually <laughs> about how to, truly understand without any guilt or shame that I, I, I did this. I, I may, you know, this is happening for a good reason or something. Does that make any sense at all? I'm sorry. I feel like I'm not quite making sense. Yeah. I can just say like one thought that came to my mind was when Jesus says forgiveness is only hard when you think you have to forgive what happened. The truth. The truth. But it's not so hard if you realize you're forgiving the untruth. So. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's always good to have the context that that the very definition of, of falling asleep and forgetting oneness is is taking what's true and real, which is is spirit, and it's making that invisible, and then it's making visible or seemingly manifest that which which is not true. So, in other words, we're perceiving a, a world made of guilt. Uh, Jesus, he corrects it. You know, we're in the Bible, in Genesis, some of us grew up with Genesis, and the, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus says, no, no, the ego made the world. God made it not. Uh, this, is, this is a projection of guilt. The world, he says, the world was made in hate. I like that when Jesus is so straight. That helps me right away. If the world was made in hate, that helps me start to know I, I'm going to pray to have a different vision, not the vision of the body's eyes, or I don't want to just hear through the, the body's ears and keep on perceiving guilt. Um, there's even a workbook lesson that I know people sometimes come to, and they, they call me up after they do the lesson, and they go, David, what, what the hell? Does this even mean? And I'm thinking of the lesson, what I see is a form of vengeance. You know, they're like, what does this mean? What, I, what do you mean what I see is a form of vengeance? And I said, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the basic 
core, but that also gives you the incentive to go beyond fragmented perception, uh, beyond the five senses. So show me the vision of Christ. I'm determined to see with the vision of Christ. That's, that's where my happiness, my, my peace will be. So I think it's, it's great that you're raising this because, because when we start to, to look at the world, there is a tendency for us to want to like comprehend it or figure it out. We'd like to see it all segmented. Okay, tell me the steps. Can you give me like a 10-year plan, God? You know, can you, can you do this? And he's, well, Spirit's like, I'll give it to you one moment at a time. Wait a minute, you're not going to give me, a, how about a five-year bargain, you know, a two-year plan? No. It, it comes because, because we're so convinced about what we're perceiving, and, and it got there because we believed it. it. We perceive it because we believed it, and now we have to get into self-inquiry. We have to start to always be inquiring you know, like all the saints and mystics, Byron Katie, Eckhart Tolle, all of them are saying the same thing. You have to inquire, and you have to go within, and you have to say, for me, for my mind, what do I believe? So when I see a politician and I have a reaction, or I see somebody dying, or I see something on, on the news or something and I have a reaction to it, the, the, always the inquiry comes to, what, what do I believe about myself that I would perceive that as if it's somebody else? You know, in one sense it's, in one sense it's doing me a favor. It's, it's being acted out so I can get in touch with what actually I do believe. And that's the blessing. That's where I see that it's a huge blessing in all this. But you don't have to uh, you don't have to figure out the projection. I'll tell you right now, that, that's one way to go really nuts, is to try to, to solve or, or figure it out. Uh, I like the line in, uh, I like how Jesus is so straight. Like the, one of the lines that I really like from the Course is, Jesus says, You are guilty in time, but not eternity. Oh, that really explains a lot. <laughs> you are guilty in time, but not in eternity. Well, he's like, he's like calling us back to the Kingdom of Heaven, because he knows that we don't really exist in time. He's not saying that we're guilty at all, he's just saying what you have made, or what you believe about yourself, is you believe that you're guilty, but you're not really because that's not really you, and, and you haven't left the mind, the loving mind that created you. So thank you Jacqueline, I think that that's another great one that just, it wasn't even a question, but you helped clarify a lot of things for us that we need for this weekend. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's the end of our session, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think we it was, it zoomed by. Yeah. <laughs> zoom on zoom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think we're still going to have time tomorrow. And um, yeah, just to, tomorrow we'll probably have more time even to open it up and answer more of your questions because they're so focused, you know. They're, they're really something 
you, you, you pull it out of us because it was just real prayer of the heart. So yeah, we look yeah. forward to come back again tomorrow morning. Yeah, it's very much of a highlight for us when we, we get to, to really read what you've written in because um, it's really, in one sense, that, that's like how the Spirit's orchestrating it for all of us. It, it always starts with the prayer of the heart. And your transparency is like a huge invitation because it, it may seem like people have individual problems, but really we're getting down to the, toward the roots and towards the core. And so we all are blessed by every prayer, by every question that comes up. And uh, yeah, we really look forward. We, have, we can address some that we have uh, in print and also that's what we love about opening it up and having it being very uh, participative. Yeah. So tomorrow morning, or depending on where you are located in the world, uh, um, we will have a very interactive session. And then again, the movie and the, and the participants, you will not only be able to watch the movie, but you will have some of the, the key players in the movie uh, available to ask questions um, and help you in getting clear about the healing. Uh, what they went through, what they were, what their process was, what they were thinking. Maybe you see a particular scene in the movie and you know, you just say, oh I can't wait to ask what were you thinking when, when that happened? You know, because maybe that relates to something in your life or your situation where you're facing a very similar thing and you would like to, to know how to how did you approach that? What, what did you uh, do internally? It's beautiful. So thank you. Thank you all. It's just such a delight to, to be here with you. Very intimate. These, uh, these uh, weekends online are extremely intimate. And, and we, we like Everybody just spills the beans and, and pours it out. And sometimes you, you've been asking and praying for an opportunity to do that, where you know, it's just kind of going around like a tumbler in your mind and you, you need to speak it. You may not even have a question, but you need to, to speak it out so that you can look at it in a different way with some help. So, mm. it's beautiful. Yeah, thank you for being part of this weekend. And um, we'll see you guys tomorrow.